Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. The Savachi syndrome, I'm telling you, I'm like, well, holy shit, that was crazy. Wait for it. Thick and slick. <laughs> everyone welcome back to another episode of the moto aftermath show we are on episode 155 we are uh having a very special show tonight so i'm actually pre-recording this intro just so that way when i get people on the line we can just go because let's face it we're not that uh technologically savvy that i can get people on do the intro all that jazz smoothly and efficiently so uh if this show seems slightly different like I said, I'm pre-recording the intro here because we have a couple of special guests coming on tonight. I'm uh, I, I, I'm very happy about this show. It's going to be awesome. But before we get started, I'd like to remind you, like, subscribe, comment down below. Um, like I said, lots of special guests, so we're going to have lots of opportunities for comments tonight. Uh, make sure to follow us on all the major social media networks uh, so that way you can stay in the loop. Cole is out there pretty much killing the game on our instagram and our twitter so uh check that stuff out he posts some really really funny memes especially the moto memes um let's get to our sponsors here before we get started so starting off with the og sponsor been with us from the beginning uh tlr coatings tlrcoatings.com michigan's number one custom powder coating shop they also do cerakote as well as vapor blasting so like i said make sure to look them up follow them on social media to see all the latest projects we do some really really cool stuff there lots of cool coatings and i know it's winter time for a lot of you listeners uh, which means bike rebuild time, or you may be working on a project because, let's face it, this whole COVID thing has got us all kind of uh, turned down comparatively to normal years. So if you're working on a bike project, look them up. We do do shipping on all of our parts if you want to. So you can ship the stuff here. We'll ship it back to you. We'll sandblast it, powder coat it, all that good stuff, high-quality powder coating, coating, and vapor blasting. Also would like to thank our sponsor for the year here our new presenting sponsor uh premier custom trailers do you need a trailer commercial or recreation premier custom trailers has what you need they work with the best manufacturers in the industry and specialize in all your trailer needs sales service parts or rentals they do it all premier custom trailers.com located five minutes south of kalamazoo on us 131 in schoolcraft michigan they put the custom in customer service they are hooking us up with a deal on a new trailer here in the spring for going to all the races. So that's going to be awesome because since it's not just myself loading my bike in the back of the truck to go to the races anymore, I now have pit bikes for the wife. I've got, uh, I've got race bikes for the kid. We've got my bikes. I mean, we've got, we've got all of it. So basically doesn't all fit in the back of the truck anymore. We need a trailer. They're hooking us up. Make sure to look them up. They do some really, really nice trailers. Um, definitely customize your trailer for you uh also would like to thank our new sponsor who has come on uh the dirt bike depot make sure to check them out i'm gonna butcher this website because i didn't write it down the dirt under or hyphen bike 
com, I think is what it is. I don't know. There will be a link in the description. Uh, anyway, they have lots of gently used uh, gear for sale. They do have some hard parts also. Their inventory is ever-changing. And from time to time, they do get your favorite riders uh, gear in aka jersey pants etc uh so make sure like i said to go check them out for all your gear needs especially if you want to save a couple of dollars uh tonight on the show super super pumped we've got two two special guests first up on the show is going to be the infamous and most of you probably know him from uh, training Ryan Dungey back in the day. Also a big Adam C. and Cirillo influence in his early years. Uh, we're going to have Coach Rob on to bench race with us. I know most of the time when Rob gets on a podcast, uh, it turns into a big, big fitness talk. And I'm sure we'll lead down that path somewhat tonight too. But I want to actually hear uh, Rob's take on on racing somewhat the state of the industry, et cetera, et cetera, tonight. So we're going to get him on to talk about that, especially with these Indianapolis rounds, how he thinks things are going. Um, and then, for those of you who don't know, at Indy 2 here, we did have somewhat of a bit of controversy with Mitchell Oldenburg being kicked out of the uh, LCQ race because of a mistake by the AMA, then getting to ride the main, and what should have been, as far as we can tell, uh, Bobby Piazza's spot. Now, we're going to have Bobby on and get his side of the story on the whole situation, whether he was even given the opportunity to be an alternate when Jet pulled off or what was going on with that. I've heard some different stories, but we're going to get the story straight from the horse's mouth. I've been trying to get uh, a hold of Mitchell Oldenburg to talk to him about it, um, but he has yet to respond, so we will see. Uh, but anyway, like I said, those major, uh, major special guests tonight. And then at the end, we are going to have our section as per normal uh, with friend of the show, sponsor rider by the show, Kevin Morans. I already called and talked to him. He had some plans tonight, so he had to record before the show. Um, so me and him talked about an hour and a half ago and uh, got his take on the track, got his take on his ride through the pack what kind of happened to him, why he faded last night, etc. So, like I said, make sure to check these out. Three big sections here coming up. Uh, so, like, And, again, like I said, I know the show is going to be kind of disjointed compared to normal because normally we just call people on the fly. But with having so many people, I'm not quite used to that yet. So we are working through it the best way we can. And the best way I know how is to pre-record this stuff and uh, then call these guys individually here. So stick with us. And uh, we're going to come up here right out of the gate with Coach Rob. And they put a left side Kickstarter on and people are like, <laughs> oh, gosh, I got to stand on the side of it and still kick it with my right foot. So. Yep. yep. <laughs> I that, love it. That stuff is awesome. But then I'm like, that's all before my time. So I have I have a limited knowledge. So I because uh, I, I was I was one of those kids that grew up watching races and I was like, oh, this is okay. awesome. And like through grew up through the 90s, saw all this stuff was never in it in it because my parents, you know, motorcycles are dangerous or whatever. So I could play hockey and all this Absolutely. other crap, but never get motorcycles, turned 18, <laughs> got street bikes. Those are really dangerous. <laughs> there the age, you go. Yep. Age of 25, I bought a dirt bike to flip and that pretty much started that obsession. Cause it's like, well, if I go out all day on the dirt and then I get on the street at night to cruise around with everyone, I am much more I subdued. So makes it makes it much easier <laughs> to go ride the streets if you get all your cojones out during the day on the dirt so there you go absolutely no it's great and uh 
give me a little bit of background or unless you want to do it while we're recording. Actually, What's the I, background I started the recorder. Al- I started the recorder already because I'm like, well, this is too good not to not to have just for whatever reason, future, That's future awesome. reference. So I just started it. I mean, we can start the show or I'll just fade this in. It doesn't really matter to me either way. We're a very loose program yes. over here. So <laughs> no, we'll we'll run it the way that you want to drive this ship. I'm I'm in a hundred percent. I I'm just proud of you for getting it off the ground and you know making podcasts that are unique are always fun and and i feel honored to be on the show definitely appreciate it well so the way it started here i think the direction you were going there was to give me some background on the show itself so the the way this started was basically i uh i started a daily vlog on youtube and then me and my buddies who one who owned a shop who's one of my regular co-hosts which they both are busy tonight so they're not on here so we're flying solo but anyway okay it was basically like <laughs> we sit around and we bench race about this crap all the time anyway why are we not just recording it and putting it out there so i think it was like i want to say 2017 we did the first one okay and um we basically put that up on YouTube and we were like, you know, what? if we get 500 views, we'll be stoked. And it got like 6,000. And we were like, holy crap. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I mean, we're talking, we sat in, um, have you been, to, have you, have you heard of these escape room things? Yeah. Okay. So I worked at one of those locally. They brought me on. I'd worked at another company for 10 years. They brought me on at a different company to uh, basically build and open these. So I was running this escape room. And we basically sat in one of those escape rooms in front of a whiteboard that you used to write out your clues on and basically wrote down the okay. 450 class and went through of who we thought was going to do what for that season and and just recorded it. And it was it was terrible. I mean, and then we went to being in front of a white <laughs> wall in my room of two dudes sitting on wooden stools. But like I said, you get 6000 views and then you carry over and you get in. 1500 a couple thousand on a channel that basically had nothing going for it it was like okay cool this is kind of working then we started 2018 and our 450 preview show for supercross got like 18,000 views and we were like what the hell are we doing like i don't even know how this is working (laughs) and then since then like that was kind of like our peak and now we've kind of like leveled out and like we're growing slowly but it's it's very slow and very organic at this point so um yeah so that was that's pretty much how it started and is going and now we've just kind of been adding things to it we do like we all played fantasy okay why are we not doing a fantasy podcast so this year we're doing a fantasy podcast also which has just made my life even more crazy because now instead of just doing one show a week we're doing three races a week two shows per race it's like okay well this is going well oh man so yeah so (laughs) where i'm loving this racing at this point i'm like dude six shows a week is a lot on top of my daily job so Absolutely. But um yeah, so that that's pretty much how the show started and how it's going. And like I said, we're we're just growing organically. I um I started sponsoring um privateer Kevin Moran's last year through like his helmet deal. Oh good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're still I mean I'm I'm basically when you're a sole proprietor, as I'm sure you know, you can kind of use your uh fun or your I'm sorry, your advertising money for whatever you want because no one's gonna say anything. That's right. So my advertising money basically goes to the show a lot to then go to him to then hopefully promote the show. And then, so we've been kind of, uh, you know, dipping our toes in and, and trying to, to talk to different people in the industry. And, uh, you know, it's one of the, you know, you know how it is. You, you DM a hundred people and one of them will DM you back and maybe want to talk. So, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. 
so we're doing so we're doing that and then of course i got lucky with you because it was like cooksey i'd reached out to him because we had kind of had some mutual experiences with getting media credentials and things like that which of course there's no way <laughs> or I, lack thereof oh yeah exactly <laughs> so it, when he said that i reached out to him and started talking to him and then obviously he uh he made the connection here because of his situation so here so here we are yep <laughs> um absolutely so obviously i know who you are because i follow you pretty regularly and uh but for my viewers and listeners who don't know who you are give us like the quick five minute uh superhero history of coach rob and how you kind of got into the moto side of things and kind of who you worked with and you know just just a brief history so they know who they're talking to here basically well i, I appreciate the opportunity um i i'm going to show my age here i've actually been in moto since 1978 if you guys can believe that or not um again going to show my uh <laughs> show my age here but don't look uh, a day over 35 huge... no i appreciate it very much i uh i'm still a a, a as big of a fan now as I was back in 78, you know, cutting out pictures out of motocross action and cycle news and, you know, plastering them on the walls at the house there. So, um, got into the sport in 78 and, uh, my parents transitioned me out of moto in the, uh, literally in 82 and moved us over into the BMX side of things just because of the, you know, the cost of racing and all that other stuff. Got into BMX, uh, worked my way up, got eighth in the world as an athlete there, and uh, actually thought that I was going to, I had signed the letter of intent with a team in California, and then my dad surprised me and said, hey, it's time for you to go to college. So I literally, the week after the IBMX World Championships, I got eighth in the world there. Next thing I know, I'm down at a community college learning what a credit hour was and got started there. While I was in college, I uh, got into the sport of triathlon, uh, got selected for the junior development program for the sport of triathlon, and then got hit by a car, unfortunately. So I was no longer on the team. But the whole time I was doing this, I was I was building a coaching business when we were completely enamored by the utilization of a fax machine. And so I, <laughs> I had, I had uh, been approached by quite a few people about helping them develop training programs because of my experience at the, um, while I, excuse me, let me digress for a moment. When I was in college, I started training for triathlons because I'd moved out of bicycle racing, moved into triathlons, got, uh, accepted for the junior development program in Colorado Springs, unfortunately got hit by a car. And once you're injured, you're pretty much off the, the short list. So Coming back from that and trying to find kind of a rudder, if you will, I'd always continue to follow motocross, um, but started doing some coaching with athletes in all different sports. I had some tennis players. I had some race car drivers, had some football players. It's literally every ball and stick sport known to man, as well as some triathletes. But I purposely made a choice and and an executive decision to never get involved in motocross because you know how it is. You get so deeply entrenched in it you you get a little too close you get a little bit jaded the, so i had made it the best the best thing you i've can heard it. is uh w- once you're in the circus you're in the circus <laughs> that's a good point absolutely well i was pretty adamant that i wasn't going to get involved with it and one thing led to another and i'll because you gave me five minutes i'll make sure i stay underneath that <laughs> the uh the uh, the idea here was i the sports, the coaching side of the business grew. 
the triathlon segment blew up our mountain bike and our marathon division it it blew up our ball and stick sports which is everything we, we call that anything that involves acceleration deceleration pivot and reaccelerate. um so our ball and stick uh, stick division it blew up our general fitness and weight loss division it blew up and i just didn't want to get into motorsports like i said we were doing a little bit in the car racing world and we'd work with Townsend Bell and a couple guys like that. Make a long story short, I was approached by Tim Cotter at MX Sports. And he said, look, um, I need you to help me on a project. And I said, what's that? He goes, well, Toyota wants to get into the sport of motocross. And they want to do what's called the Toyota Moving Forward Program. And what that program was all about was they were going to select 10 riders. They were going to have me coach them physically with the mental, the nutrition, on the bike, off the bike, all of that. And then at Loretta's that year, there was a selection committee that was going to choose who got a factory ride into the Motorsports Kawasaki team. Okay. So I was very fortunate. I was working with Kyle Chisholm, Sean Hackley, uh, Mike Pacone. I mean, it was the best of the best. I mean, these were the A, a the A class guys. Got to work with all of them. And then they ended up uh, selecting Sean Hackley. He went on to the motorsports team um, underneath Tyler Keith's dad. And at that time, Ronnie Tishner had heard that I was doing some work with riders. And so he contacted me and said, hey, look, I'm working with this little kid by the name of Adam C. <laughs> I'm also working with Ashley Filick. And I'm also working with Ian Treadle. Uh, would you be interested to work with us? Well, of course, I knew who they were. I'm like, not yes, but hell yes, I'll be happy to help. So the Toyota program, it took off. We worked with them for another couple of years. Ronnie Tishner started having me work with Adam, Ian, as as well as um, we had Adam, we had Ian. I'm drawing a mental Blake on the third one I just mentioned, sorry. But what ended up happening is out of that network, the word started to spread. Ian Treadle was roommates with Brock Tickle. They had just signed with Bobby Hewitt's team. So I got a chance to work with Brock just a little bit. I uh, was working, obviously, with Ian Treadle, working with Ashley Filick. She's riding for Factory Honda. She's starting to race the Nationals. And then we've got Adam and his whole career. So that kind of threw the kerosene on the fire. Word started spreading. We were having some pretty good success. And so if you kind of take that starting point, you kind of roll it through it through the years, you know, on the amateur side, we got to work with Alex and Jeremy Martin when they started their program um, all the way up to and including we, we recently, not recently, but our last pro that we worked with at the 450 level was Dungy. Mm -hmm. um, we've worked with Jordan Bailey as he was coming up. We worked with Seth Hammaker up to him signing with uh, pro circuit, going to the, you know, going to the factory team. On the off-road side of things, uh, we were approached by Charlie Mullins, and so we worked with him. Uh, we've worked with Chris Bach, Roman Brown, and we currently are doing a little bit of work uh, with Mike with Mike Witowski, as well as Hunter Hart, uh, both some off-road guys there. So we have a pretty broad spectrum uh, on both the motocross and the off-road side. Uh, we have a little – I think we're at 256 number one amateur titles and we're four AMA number one pro plates. So that kind of leads us up to where we're at now. Uh, we have the largest online coaching company in the sport of motocross and off-road racing. 
Um, we very, very fortunate. We get to be on your type of a podcast. We're on Gypsy Tales in Australia. We have a show called Cooksy and the Coach that we do. It's on a temporary hiatus. <laughs> I have my own Coach Rob podcast. Um, I've been on the uh, the Whiskey Throttle show, and I'm going to be on Main Event Moto. I've been there once. So I'm going to be on there in two weeks, and then I'll be again there in April. Oh, cool. So I have I own a an amateur development program here in the United States where we sponsor 25 riders. Um, I have an amateur development team in Australia, and I work with Ben Townley in New Zealand with a couple of his riders. So what we've been trying to build over the last 25 years is here in the United States, I've got Moto E facilities. We're working with Jeff Ward in one of his tracks in California, working with Colin Edwards in Texas. We've got four facilities here in Florida. We're working with um, Winchester uh, MX up in New Hampshire. We're working on a couple other contracts as we speak. But what our goal has always been is I want to sponsor an amateur development program so we can build a group of athletes that are resilient. We want to build them and cultivate them into a pro program. And we are currently working with somebody on putting together a pro team in 2023. So it would be the ultimate culmination of we take somebody from an 85 and carry them all the way to the pro rigs. Um, some of our top athletes that we're working with right now, we work with Logan Best. Um, he rides for Triangle Yamaha. We have some up-and-comers, Jesse Furtado, Everett Clark, Nick Laurie. And what our goal is is to be able to cultivate them into a, a full-time program. It will be a Moto E team. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're raising capital right now to have this completely standalone race budget. And um, with that comes our affiliation. We're in Australia and New Zealand, as I mentioned. What we're doing is building an amateur development program for those athletes that want to come over and punch their card either as a pro or come over and race the amateur nationals. And then we just opened a new facility in the UK with Alex Snow. Uh, for those of you that are off-road, he's the five-time European world champion. And we are building a performance facility in uh, the UK. So that way we can start working more with some of the MXGP riders. We currently work with two of them. Um, and they're doing really, really well, but everybody wants to come to the state. So we've been trying to build a spider web of how do we get people from around the world here? When they get here, how do we create an infrastructure where they get a variety of tracks, West Coast, all the way to the East Coast? And then make sure that, you know, like all of the riders that we work with and we sponsor, we do everything from helmets to gear um, if you guys follow us on sh social media, you've seen our Moto E factory helmets. We're getting ready. To, uh, we just need to deal with Michael Lieb with Canvas. He just recently sent us our new Moto E gear. So you guys will see a bunch of that stuff coming out. So it's just been, you know, how it is. it's the 25-year business plan. We're, we're in year 21 of a 25-year uh, plan. So we're four years, and as soon as that pro rig pulls up trackside, it will be we will have reached our, our uh, destiny. <laughs> and then, then it's time for so, a new plan. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And uh, I hope for the listeners that wasn't too much, but I wanted to kind of throw a big casting net and bring it up. Um, I just, I'm a big fan of the sport. I just don't like to talk about the problems in the sport without talking about what we're doing to try to make a difference. You know, the attrition rate of these amateurs, they're, they're getting hurt so often, but I also think there's a huge lack of knowledge. 
Um, I also want the listeners to know I love because whenever it, I'm kind of in a catch 22 when people ask, well, who have you worked with? And yeah, I give you names so that you're familiar with who they are. But what we really focus on is amateurs. You know, we love working with vet riders. We love working with people who are weekend warriors. We love working with the uh, amateurs. People go, oh, we only work with elites and pros. No, I just I only give you those names so that you get a little bit of a reference point. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I did with Dungey or AC or you know, the Martin brothers, what matters is taking your rider or yourself as a rider and being able to help you see how to adjust your nutrition, how to address your cross training, how to adjust your seat time. And then we wrap it all up. Uh, I've written a mental development program and we interweave that into performance. You know, I think there's a big disjoint where you see people they run out and they hire a registered dietitian and a sports psychologist and a strength and conditioning coach but none of those different divisions are really understanding what the other's doing. And really, when you look at the nuances of pushing and pulling a motorcycle, it's unique in its own manner. I mean, how many kids, 9, 10, and 11 years old, are pushing around a 100-pound machine? You certainly aren't seeing it in baseball or soccer. So you need a different approach to working with kids, just like you need a different approach. Someone like yourself, you know, you run your own business, you have a family, you love to ride. Well, that takes a completely different approach than just some um, do it because I said it. Um, we've got to adjust all the stress that you deal with. And that's what makes our program unique. Uh, we just recently started in June. We started a membership area. So for 22 bucks a month, everybody gets the same programs that I've developed for other riders, as we just mentioned. But on top of that, we do twice a month live webinars with myself, giving our members a chance to you know, ask questions. So we're just trying to find creative ways to provide solutions to the frustrations of your listeners, whether they've got a young rider, whether they're racing, whether they just want to race on the weekend, doesn't matter. You know, physiology is physiology, no matter what your age is and what your goals are relevant to yourself. So we're, we've got a beautiful job. Uh, like I say, motocross is our smallest business segment. Um, our, uh, but it's the one that I manage exclusively because I love it so much. <laughs> I, 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 it's a lot of fun. I can be a testament to um, to your your tactics towards development and physiology and all of that because, like I said, it, it, through listening to um, to the podcast of you doing with Gypsy Tales and Main Event Moto and all that stuff, I know they they all tend to lean towards let's talk about physical fitness and and you know how to how to do it properly with with what we're doing in sure. the moto game and. Um, I, I've ran marathons. I started in my, we'll call it mid twenties. And when you're in your mid twenties, as you're you're well aware, you, you can kind of go because you've still got that young buck mentality. And I've ran them up until probably, I think like I did my last one, two or three years ago. And, uh, then I kind of waned off of the whole hardcore training for that. I wasn't running every day, et cetera. Well, then we start setting in here with the whole quarantine thing, and next thing you know, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I should probably start running again. Well, I go out and try to run like I'm 20, and my hip hurts, and I'm I'm out of breath, and it's like, man, it takes me like two days to recover. This isn't good. And then I listened to one of your podcasts, and you really dove into the, the going long and slow to then go fast and quick. And needless to say, I then start actually paying attention to what I'm doing, going long and slow starts translating into I can go the shorter, quicker, a little bit better, hip doesn't hurt. It, it basically starts picking go. back up to where I was, and I go, okay, cool. Well, 
I just have to adjust my training. And again, that's a little that's a little tidbit that again you just put out there for free all over the airwaves of like, hey guys, this will help you be able to do something else better if you just follow this little tidbit here. And like I said, it works. And I've, I've thought about signing up for your uh, your your monthly training program too, just to see how it works for an old guy like me. <laughs> No. Well, I, I appreciate the kind words and I, I appreciate you giving it, you know, a shot. And I want all the listeners to understand everything that I try to put out there is coming. Yes, I've got a degree in exercise science and I've got nutrition degrees and whatever. The idea here is it doesn't matter what my degrees are. I've got to put it in a format that people understand it and it's got to resonate with them. When I take the ideologies that came from the Olympic Training Center as an athlete there, what I love about that place is they have no agenda to try to convince you on anything. They're like, look, this is what we know is true. This is what we know works. There's all kinds of different alliterations of it, but at the end of the day, there's a right and a wrong way. What I see out there, whether it's an ex pro that has no credentials to be doing what he or she is doing, whether it's a trainer that, you know, charges tens of thousands of dollars a month that really doesn't have the credentials to be doing what he's doing this is where I'm very, very adamant about coach accountability. Um, where I want to close this conversation thread point is this, somebody that's hearing us talk for the first time. If I say something, you're going to have to do it in blind faith, but my responsibility is for you to understand why I'm asking you to do it. So when you experience, as you just said, you can't go short and fast until you go long and slow. Well, that concept is going to seem foreign to somebody who doesn't understand the entire context of that one comment. But you've experienced, you, you, in blind faith, you've tried it. It worked. Now what have I done? I've increased your confidence, not in me, but in the methodology. And this is where I think there's a huge, whether you want to call it disjoint or maybe disrespect, I'm not sure what the right description is, but I am not the kind of person that wants to say, just do it because I said do it. I want you, the listener, to understand why we're doing it. And then when you experience the benefit, like you said, less hip pain, running faster at a, at a lower heart rate, sleeping better, not craving simple sugars, not chronically you know, fatigued all the time. That's, that's the only way that I can earn your trust is for you to feel what we're trying to accomplish. But I'm also realistic. I know there's been a lot of people that have been baited, bait and switched. There's a ton of people out there that have been said, Hey, for just another hundred bucks, I'll give you the, I'll give you the answer to your frustration. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's nonsense. That's disrespectful. You know, I always want to say, look, if you're ever looking for a performance program, if you're looking for a health and wellness program, Hey, give us a chance. Yeah. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm very structured. I'm very methodical. If you don't like structure, I get it. That's cool. But if I can just get something in your hands that clarifies, you know, and maybe even eliminates a frustration, cool. We're like yourself. You know, we have a YouTube channel. We have almost 19,000 followers. That's, I, I feel so honored by that. You know, nobody wants to sit and watch me on YouTube. Nobody wants to sit and listen to me on one of your podcasts. What they want is answers to their frustrations. And, and I can't emphasize that enough. There's nobody that, and I, say this to our young athletes when they don't get where they want. I'm like, it's not that you didn't put in the sweat equity, that you didn't address the frustration that keeps putting you behind. 
you know, maybe you don't respect a warm up or you don't think nutrition really matters or you disrespect sleep or whatever. And I, I throw those examples out because those really don't take any money. Those really don't take any resources other than a commitment to going to bed an hour earlier, you know, taking the commitment to go to the store and shop the perimeter of the store. That's where your fruits and vegetables and lean protein are. That's where I get so irritated when people want to convolute the simplistic because I'll get it all the time. Hey, Rob, what should I eat? (laughs) Walk in the grocery store, shop the perimeter. Well, what am I shopping for? Fruits, vegetables, and lean protein. You know, get your beer, get your water, get out. That's it. (laughs) But what ends up happening is then people are like, oh, I have to count grams and I have to count calories. Why? If you eat fruits and vegetables, no one's ever gotten fat off of eating fruits and vegetables and protein. Well, how do I know how much to eat? Well, did you get hungry in two hours? Yeah, then eat more. Eat more of what? Fruits and vegetables and protein. Um, Okay, I didn't get hungry within a two-hour window. Perfect. You're stabilizing blood sugar levels. Notice how your mental clarity is crisp? Yeah, I do. I notice a difference. Yeah. Were you able to get away from that midday energy drink, caffeine kick? Yeah, I really was. What'd you do differently? Fruits, vegetables, and lean protein. How often? Every two hours. How do I know if I'm eating enough? Did you get hungry? And I don't want somebody hearing us for the first time to think I'm being sarcastic. It's that simplistic. Yeah, people don't understand that. Now, if you have sensitivity. Pardon me? I said people don't understand that. I um. I went through the whole fitness thing through my through my mid twenties, obviously, like I said, with running marathons and stuff. And it was sure. I would go to the gym for a few hours a day, strictly because I had that much time on my hands because I was mid twenties okay. and had nothing important to do. And I would eat every three hours, we'll say. I was I was more lean towards we'll call it the bodybuilding aspect of it, just because I had a lot of friends in that side of it. And I somehow made okay. it work to be able to do the marathon stuff. I, I never got huge. Let's put it that way. I was I was lean though. I was I was lean as you could as you could think for a for a normal guy who's a picky eater type deal. So, um, okay. And and like I said, people didn't understand it. I'd walk in with my meal totes for the job I was working at and my protein shakes, and they would be like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Well, every three hours I eat." And then people would ask me, you know, how do you do it? Okay, well. The way it works for me is I eat every three hours. I eat this much. And I'll, I'll admit, too, for a while I was crazy and I would measure out the amount of you know stuff I was eating, which was a sure. waste of time for what I was eating. But I did it, you know, and uh, and yeah, and it, I mean, it works. But then again, I wasn't eating bags of cookies. I wasn't eating bags of chips. I wasn't eating, you know, I mean, I would eat out occasionally, but it wasn't every single day and drinking down a gallon of soda with it, too. It just was was discipline and making sure you were eating somewhat the right thing. Chicken, lean beef, that kind of stuff, you're good. So, There you go. I love it. Well, and, and that's the part that I think is when I hear those kind of testimonies, it's great because I call it the non-sweating components of health and wellness. When I think a lot of times we step over a dollar to pick up a quarter when it comes to health and wellness because if I can get you to go to bed a half hour earlier, if I can get you to just nail your hydration levels. If I can get you just something a little bit better than you did today, you don't have to go so dramatic, you know? And I think that's one of the things that sets people up for failure and frustration. And I use the word failure very loosely because I hear people say, I failed. Well, I I don't really feel like you failed as long as you were willing to give it a shot. They go, oh, that's so positive, the eternal optimist. No, 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 no. (laughs) 
at least you were willing to face the fear of failure, which is hard. But the idea is you try to jump too far too soon. Just anybody listening to this podcast, whenever you hear it, tomorrow, just go to bed 30 minutes earlier. You know, sit at your desk with a tennis ball under your foot. Um, you know, drink, take your body weight, divide it by two. And that's how many ounces of water you should consume per day. That's what we call your basal metabolic hydration needs. So if I'm 180 pounds, I divide that by two, that's 90 ounces. Over 10 hours, that's nine ounces a day. If you drink any more than that, you run the risk of becoming hyponatremic, where you overhydrate yourself. That's not that's a that's a very dangerous condition. Well, you don't want to be dehydrated. I could go on and on about hydration, but here's the key. Take your body weight, divide it by two, and consume that over a 10-hour day. You're 1% better tomorrow than you were today, and you'll feel better. The headaches will go away. Like you said, when you're running, you'll run better because a dehydrated body is just like a motor. It's going to have a lot more internal friction. It's going to have a higher internal core body temperature, and we all know what heat does to anything. It robs it of power. So here you are trying to get fast and have good endurance, not realizing that just simply focusing on your hydration will improve both of those, speed and endurance. Well, wait a second. It's that easy? Well, it's a starting point, but everybody wants to jump to domino number 15 and say, well, what workout should I do? I don't, let's not even talk about a workout. You're not hydrated. You're not sleeping enough. You're not eating enough, but yet you want to tell me how you're going to burn more calories and sweat more. I would be irresponsible to say, yep, don't worry about that other piddly stuff. <laughs> Let's get right to the meat of the workout, right? Yep. Because that's what people have been taught, that you're supposed to be miserable. Like with our general fitness weight loss division, they've kind of programmed themselves that exercise is punishment for bad food choices. Well, that needs to change. As anybody who's a weekend warrior all the way up to being an elite athlete they think that if every workout isn't bone crushing, it's not productive. Well, we're not droids. We're not machines. We've, we've got to be rebuilt on a daily basis. And for all of our Motohead fans, think about it. We live and die religiously by that hour meter. But yet, when I ask you when you're rebuilding your body, ah, suck it up, buttercup. Sleep is for those that are dead, you know, on and on and on. You know, I grew up in the 80s. It's, you know, no pain, no gain. And what you realize is that's the segue into adrenal fatigue, Epstein-Barr, and all the other health issues that go with it. We don't want that. We want to stay ahead of it, but we got to kind of knock that little canary off our shoulder that calls you names and thinks that you're not, I don't know, tough enough or don't want it bad enough. We got to change the paradigm shift of just a smidge. Uh, yeah, I am, like I said, I've, I've... I have learned a lot from you about this kind of stuff. So I can, I can be a walking testimonial to the uh, coach Rob ideology uh, behind awesome. fitness. So, um, but I, sw I swore up and down when I was talking about co-hosts, we weren't going to do a whole show about physiology because every single podcast you go on, we, they get into this, this kind of conversation, which is awesome, but I'm hoping to have you on again <laughs> at some point. What I really want to do is, is I want to bench race with you. Um, because okay. I feel like that's a side of you that not a lot of people get to hear. And so I, okay. I, I would like to, I'd like to kind of transition into that. And, uh, I know we had to, uh, had to record at seven tonight, so I'll try not to keep you much more than an hour here. Plus I've got a, a rider coming no up after you Love too. It. So not that I'm rushing you okay. off the phone, but I've, I've got another interview lined up after you too. I lined him up for about eight o'clock. So 
let's get into Sweet. talking about racing um, for the uh, the 2021 season here, because obviously you have quite the insight with your with your past history of people you've trained and even up till now. In fact, I have a question right now for one of the guys you mentioned sure. that you're you're currently training, uh, Seth Hamaker. Um, so so I'm nervous about him coming in here. I've seen the kid ride, excellent rider. What I'm nervous about is he had Epstein Bar already, didn't he? Uh, yes, and just to clarify, I haven't worked with Seth now for about four months. Okay. Uh, when he signed his deal with Mitch, um, they decided to move him over to Ivan Tedesco to okay. work with his program. And when at the end of that, he was uh, Seth was actually training at Carmichael's uh, facility there. So, but no, go ahead with your question. I'm happy to answer it, um, so, but just want to make sure everybody understands that. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm, I mean, I'm not the smartest with all of the health and wellness things. You're obviously way more, uh, way, way more studied in this than me. Um, once you get it the first time, you're more susceptible to getting it again. Correct. Am I correct? 100%. Okay. So that's where my concern comes in with, he's a rookie. He's, uh, Technically, I guess we'll call it right now still an amateur because he hasn't he hasn't made his pro debut. He didn't ride any outdoors, did he? I don't think so. No, he has not. Okay. Nope. Um. So where I worry is he's coming in. He now he, now especially he's got a different trainer outside of you. Um. Man, what what do you think? And I know you're not going to talk bad about him or anything, but but is, do I have a legitimate concern here that this could be the start to a downward snowball effect here um, if he's not very careful with this stuff and could potentially really jack up his career here if he's fighting. Cause I mean, we've seen Kenny kind of go through a similar path here over the last few years with having these different problems, we'll call them <laughs> since no one really sure, knows. Sure. Um, so that's just where I get nervous of, man, if he starts, things start going bad, he starts overtraining takes on epstein Barr again or chronic fatigue or any of that stuff um it, do you think that's a valid concern i have or is that something that i'm just a dumb spectator who doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> no i i think it's a legitimate concern <clears throat> excuse me even to the point that it it drove mitch payton to bring in joe shimoda on you know um he was on the whiskey throttle show he was pretty curt about the idea that He's seen what Epstein Barr does to a rider. He realizes that Epstein Barr is not something that you get over very quickly. And and Mitch was very adamant about, hey, look, if if Mitch does, excuse me, if Seth does suffer from fatigue, we've got rider number five, you know, sitting in the rafters ready to go. So you're exactly right. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with how the Epstein Barr works, it's I'm going to kind of paraphrase it because some people will argue that Epstein-Barr is not the same as chronic fatigue, and, and, and they're right, but for the sake of the conversation, we're not, we don't need to get into splitting hairs just in general terms. You've got to understand that when you look at a lot of these viruses, they're, they're all in the herpes family. So if you've had a breakout of a, a fever blister, you have herpes in your blood. Most of us think about it as an STD, kind of be a little bit more mature than that and step up a, another notch. I want you to visualize a Tasmanian devil that's kind of hiding in the bushes. And when the fatigue level of the body gets to a point that and this is, I don't want this to sound condescending. Think about what the term adrenal fatigue is saying. Your adrenal system is the only system in our body, you know, figuratively speaking, 
that helps us offset this, the dealing of stress. Stress could come from anything professional, personal, financial, athletic. It comes from all multitudes of life. What ends up happening is the adrenal system is the only system that allows you to cope. That's where we get the fight or flight from. It's the only mechanism that allows us to cope to stress. Well, the adrenals, I want the motorheads to think about this. Imagine setting your idle on your bike at 6,000 RPM. When you're sitting there limiting, you got a stressful job, you got a dick of a boss, you're in a relationship you don't like, financial stress, little one at home, and on and on and on and on it goes. The adrenals are revving at 6,000 RPMs going, when do I get a break? Well, when we get over revved, we start noticing that our sleep isn't that good. So now we don't really get a chance to recover, rest. So then because the adrenals are running so hard, the next thing that gets suppressed is our appetite. So now we're not hungry, so we don't feed ourselves. Our body has to feed off of nutrients, but we have a suppressed appetite. Our adrenals are getting overworked because of the stress. And then we can't sleep. And you see how the snowball starts to go? Yep. Now, I want to come back to your original question. The Tasmanian devil is sitting hiding behind a bush. Once the fatigue level, now the Tasmanian devil is the virus. And when the virus get, when the overall body gets to a certain level of fatigue, the Tasmanian devil gets pissed off and he comes out from behind the bush and he just plays havoc on everything in the body. You're even more fatigued, you're cranky, you're moody, and, and the dominoes continue to fall. And then it gets your attention. You go, okay, I got to take a break. So you back off on the high intensity training. You give the body what it needs originally, some food. You give it some sleep. And the Tasmanian devil goes, okay, gets a sigh of relief and it goes and it hides behind the bush until you get excessively fatigued again. He gets pissed off. He comes out, starts creating havoc, and it starts all over again. Now, what is the cadence of that is the million-dollar question to your point. Because, and this is where I get terminated all the time, I can, I, I've got a very, very extensive performance report card that I have on all my athletes. And when I first start working with rider, they love the structure. They love it. They love it. They love it. And then they're tired of talking about it. And so when the, when the scales get tipped, and this usually happens when you get a pretty good contract, get a little bit of notoriety, that the advice that I was giving that led them to the success that they're enjoying now becomes your voice is annoying, you talk too much, it's too much structure, we're going to go do our own thing, which brings it right back to your concern. If you understand what we did to keep you from getting under the thumb of that steam bar and you keep doing it, you'll never experience it. But when you don't pay attention to the numbers, you let other people get in your ear, you let other people direct it with no quantitative analysis, what do you get? Epstein bar, chronic fatigue, end of career, short career, you never reach your potential. Oh, Rob, you're just a dick. No, I'm not trying to be a dick. What I'm saying to you is, you are not a droid. You're not a robot. And I've been trying to give you all of this quantified information to show you that we need to back off on the training. If you go to the motorcycle and you get smashed every day and you're told, I don't want to hear about it, suck it up, let's go. That's a problem. And so when the agents don't respect it, when the parents don't respect it, and unfortunately, these kids are signed on the contracts younger and younger. Think about it. You get a rider that's signed early, 
they're inked to a, you know, let's say a, a one or two year amateur deal and a one or two year pro deal. How many times have we heard this, Chad? Hey, he signed, he's getting moved into the pro rig. I mean, look at Alex Martin. Alex Martin with two, was he two or three times after a cha- uh, second place, three years in a row, mm-hmm. gets pushed off of the TLD team because they had signed, I think it was Pierce Brown or whoever it was. Yep. This this system is so screwed up, it's not even funny. We have this money invested in an amateur, so we're going to move Alex Martin out of the rig, who's been the runner-up outdoors with great results, did a great job for our sponsors, and we say thank you by giving him a pink slip. Yep. So like you said, this Epstein bar thing, but it doesn't matter. They've got all this money invested as an amateur. We're going to run them no matter what. And so, it's it's really an asinine place to be. Yeah. So the, all the all the money invested in amateurs. That's where it comes into an interesting thing of another rider you brought up here, Joe Schmoda, because I mean Honda yep. put a ton of money into him, brought him to the states. I mean, just just tons and tons of cash. And then all of a sudden, the Geico team dries up, and you just let him go. Like that to me was a was a very very strange move. Um, to see that where it was just all of a sudden like, oh nope, Shimoda's gone. We have you know no no interest in him whatsoever to the point that he's then you know basically begging for a ride on on Pro Circuit you know or whoever he could get on landed on Pro Circuit, sure. which I still think for PC was a steal of a deal, especially with his performance this year. So, um, yep. he's probably been one of the uh, one of the most impressive guys to me so far this year in the 250 class. So, yeah, well, you've got to step back though, because you got to remember if you were going to choose chose, excuse me, if you were going to go and choose between Joe and you were going to choose between jet, who would you go with? Oh, I mean, I'm going jet all day long, but I'm a, I'm a big jet right. fan too. So that's a problem. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's where Joe, unfortunately, Jet and his brother Hunter come as a package deal. Yep. His dad's done a great job. His dad's an awesome guy. They're both great guys, okay? When I say both Hunter and Jet and their dad is awesome, their mom is awesome. Here's the thing that I want the listeners to understand, though. It's not that they left Joe out to hang. The amount of money that it took to get Jet signed left no money for anybody else. Now, that's not a dig on Jet. I mean, his, his agent, Myrtle, does a phenomenal job. He does what's right for the athletes. I mean, I think with the exception of last night's debacle, Jet's proven he's worth every dime that's been invested in him. Mm-hmm. He's very charismatic. He's a good people person. He thanks the crowd. He He's still back to the roots of what made Jeff Ward and O'Meara and those guys really good because Bob Hanna and that group never left, never lost contact with the fans. And I think that's what Jet is bringing back. We've created such a group of prima donna pros that, they think they're they're too cool for the average fan. I mean, I think it's absurd that we hand out a hundred little tickets so we can get autographs, and then when the autograph line goes through, the pro doesn't even look up when he signs it. That, that's that's ridiculous. Yep. Back in the day, Bob Hanna knew the value of a fan. You know, yeah, uh, the Kent Howertons, the Mark Barnetts, the Jeff Wards, the Johnny O'Mares, the Baileys, the RJs—they all knew the value of a fan. Our group of athletes. Not saying all of them, but let's face it, we have a limited amount of tickets. I mean, how, how prima donna can you get? Jet's like, I'm out there thanking the fans, even though I just got taken out. 
Oh yeah. You don't see that very often. That that podium interview so, he gave the other night, or well, it wasn't a podium, but when they brought him back out to talk um, at Indianapolis one there, because we've we've been in Indy because we're only a few hours from there. Um, so sure. when he came back out, I mean, that entire stadium, the whole limited crowd was on their feet clapping. That kid is. Uh, He's something special for for the industry here, which is good because we've talked about it a lot on the show. We have not gotten a lot of guys turning pro in the last however many years that are really, I guess we would call it the real deal. Um, you know, that's going to put all sure. the pieces. There's some fast kids. There's some fast kids that have tons of potential that have not, uh, you know, not panned out at all. We've we've seen them all. Um, but this kid seems like something really really special and even to the point of like last night i don't did you get a chance to watch the race last night yeah 100 percent. yeah where he had a that hard crash in the whoops in practice which i saw firsthand i was like holy crap that was intense and then uh coming out on the on the uh what was it the heat race and wadding it up over that tough block and then when he came out and raced that uh that last chance qualifier you could tell he was hurting and he wanted to go, yeah, but man, absolutely. he just couldn't do it. He couldn't, he couldn't hardly raise his arm to wave to the crowd when he went off right before the main. So it was, it was a yeah. bad, bad well, day. And, but you bring up, a, you bring up another subject related, but unrelated. I know you brought up Joe Shimoda being, you know, the gift to, you know, a, a, a good grab, which I agree with, but, you know, understanding that Honda, put a lot of money into the Lawrence brothers, which is justified both indoors and outdoors. But here's the problem that I have. And I, like I said, I like Jeff. I think he's a great guy, but there is no way that he passed a concussion test. There's, <laughs> there's absolutely no way. I talked to some people via text last night. And if there's a listener that can prove me wrong, I'd love, because I said, I, I don't mind being proven wrong. I was told that the concussion test takes 40 minutes. Hmm. Well, the time from the LCQ, or excuse me, from the second moto to the LCQ was not 40 minutes. And if you look at him when they interviewed him, his speech was really slow. He was like, it took him a while to kind of think about what he was going to say. If you watch him in that LCQ, he was doubling the whoop section. Like his his reaction time was so, you know, was so slow. Mm -hmm. And my question is, why on God's green earth is he even out on the track? Now this, you could argue the agent, you can argue the dad, you can argue the rider, you can argue Honda. I, I don't care who you want to point fingers at. I really don't care. What I'm at, what I'm pointing fingers at is what are the protocols for concussion tests? Now, again, I have not been, maybe you've seen it. Don't they still have the impact device in the helmets? There's, or did they do away with it? No, them? they're supposed to, as far as I know. In fact, um, okay, so, someone got pulled off the line last year because they were walking behind him right before the start of one of the races, and they didn't have the uh, MIPS or whatever it is that's in the helmets, and they pulled him off the line for whatever it was. I can't remember if it was a heat main, whatever, but yeah, no, that's that's still a yeah. thing. Okay, so you watch that replay, whether whether it's the replay of the accident during practice, and you watch his head. Not only does he get you know completely up uppercut from the handlebars smashes his head so you can tell me that's not a concussion and then in the because again i have my own biased opinion here he was not riding like himself at all in that first heat race mm-hmm. he was missing the front end on lines that you know i'm not a, i'm not he should not have been missing those lines 
And then all of a sudden he, he lands on now granted where that hay bale or where the tough block was at. Yes. Should have never been there. We could argue that all day long, but if you watch the way he hits the hay bale, yeah, I know he's saying his shoulder hurt. Did you watch the replay as his face bounced off the ground? That I have not seen the replay and that, yet. That's the second hit to the head in less than three hours. And why in the hell was he out there at the LCQ? I mean, he reminded me like when you watch these guys after a UFC fight and they're like really struggling to articulate their words. Mm-hmm. And then I have my biased opinion. But if you watch when he's sitting on the bike and he starts shaking his head no, that he's not going to race, he just looks like he's just gone three rounds with Mike Tyson. He just looks like he's sleepy. He's got, you know, it, again, go back and watch the film and just look at his, his external disposition. Mm-hmm. And I think it started in practice. He was not riding like himself. I mean, compare that second, excuse me, compare that qualifier to just the weekend before or two weeks before when he looked like he was riding on glass. He was so damn smooth. And now he can't, again, I know the tough block was at the wrong place. The way he was riding before the accident, please don't focus on the accident. Focus on how he was riding before the accident. That was not Jet Lawrence out there. Sorry. I've seen him ride way too many times. I've seen him ride in person. Mm -hmm. That's not Jet Lawrence. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's... but I want to know what the the uh, the concussion protocols were there. That's what I want an answer to. Well, you know, AMA never change because I've I've uh, yep. I mean I've heard some different things. I don't know if you've heard. So no one listens to the show, so we'll throw some crazy stuff out there sometimes. I mean, we're we've, <laughs> we've heard rumors that in um what was it Salt Lake last year that somebody major tested positive for COVID and they paid him off to let him race. Now we don't have any proof of that. Yeah. We haven't, you know, heard definitively who it was, but there's a pretty big rumor floating around out there that someone did it. And then, you know, obviously we we all talk and this is a big talk because obviously it's the world we live in now with the COVID thing. You mean to tell me that thousands of people for this event are tested multiple times every week and no one's come up positive yet? No. I don't know. It's statistically that's statistically challenging. Yes. Very, very statistically (laughs) challenging. And then on top of that, you have all the other debauchery that happened last night with the AMA. I mean, they throw the flag a lap early on the 250 main. You have the whole Oldenburg uh, not being able to race the LCQ. And then he's going to start in the second row of the main. And then he gets jet spot in the main when jet pulls off. And that's actually who we're having on next is uh, the, the fifth place rider from the LCQ, Bobby Piazza to talk about, well, were you supposed to be an alternate? And then they just threw Oldenburg in there because they screwed up type deal. So we're, we're getting his side of the story. Awesome. Um, so yeah, Good. So I, I can't wait to listen. That's I, awesome. Yeah. So I don't know the, a, the whole AMA thing is, uh, I, and I mean, I, so I was sitting right behind the starting gate last night in the stadium and obviously, okay. you know, you've been to races before when you're in the stadium, it's hectic. You can't hardly keep track of what's going on. It's loud. There's people around it's whatever. Um, so I'm watching and I, I keep pretty good tabs on the amount of time left and I'm counting down going, okay, cool. We should have two laps left. And I look up and they're throwing the checkered flag and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I look at the base yeah. of the tower there and there's a guy looking up at the guy throwing the checkered flag, just shrugging his shoulders like, oh, well, guess we screwed up. I mean, you could tell by his body yeah. language. It was like, yeah, we screwed up, but oh, well, whatever. And I'm just going, is this serious right now? Like, <laughs> what is, what is well, going you, on? You want to you watch, a, you watch a, an incredibly fast debacle cover-up? 
go back and go back and watch Peacock because because um, uh, Harris, what's his name? Um, uh, goodness gracious, I'm drawing a mental blank. Ricky, Ricky. and um, I, I want to call him Heath Harris. It's not Heath Harris. Uh, um, no, shoot, I can't think of his name right now either. Um, yeah, I'm drawing a mental blank because I love him from you know back in the early 2000s. Yeah. I'm glad he's back. I yes. think he does a great job with Ricky. I still think Daniel Blair needs to be in the box. I think that'd be the best with Ricky and, so and Daniel would be the ideal. Yep. But um, uh, you've got Harris in the, uh, in the box and they're like, all right, two lap back. And all of a sudden they see the checker and he goes, wait, did they throw the checker? It's supposed to be no two lap. Wh- wait, no white lap. No wait, checker. <laughs> and you can tell they're getting told in their ear, stop talking about it because yeah. they immediately just all discussions about it ceases. And then it's like, oh, okay, back on the podium we have. And you're just like, okay, so now you've got the TV that's got to try to dismiss it. Uh, again, it's, it's what you say at the beginning of the show today? You know, if you want to stay out of the circus or if, once you're in the once circus, in you the are circus, the circus. You're circus in. Yep. I love it. That's, that's just so cool. But, yeah, I mean, what an absolute shit show and, and a, a domino of debacker, debacles. And I'm just like, Phew whatever dude yeah and you know think about and and i know and i'm gonna sound like a little jaded here i think what i believe roxon had lapped up to or i think that was a 250 class he they lapped up to what fourth place or fifth place oh something like that my, yeah my point is pretty high yeah my my point in the in the 250 class is if it went two more laps it wasn't going to make the difference on the overall win Not, neither you nor i are making that declaration nope but like you were saying what if you were the guy that had, you were hoping for that last, whether, again, we don't know if it was two laps, one lap. We don't know what the heck it was, but <laughs> let's say it was at least one lap and you lose by a half a bike length yeah. and you're on a rampage, like, you know, like last week when Jet Reynolds was coming through the field and, you know, except for the last lap situation, but you imagine having that much momentum and speed and they cut you an entire lap short. Oh man. I mean, that could cost you $50,000 right there. Well, in the 250 class. I mean, let's go one step further. Okay. Obviously the 250 class right now is super top heavy here on the East. You have pretty much about the top four or five and then it really falls off. Yep. And then, so what do you have beyond that? You have these privateers fighting, scratching for every single dollar they can get. And you throw the flag a lap early. I mean, dude, if I'm any of those privateers that's fighting for a spot, whether it's 10 more dollars or 200 more dollars, like I'm pissed. So absolutely. You're already, you're already jerking me around for 75 bucks multiple times per location. We're at for a COVID test. Um, and then, then Oh, you want to hear the most absurd thing? I don't know if you've heard this. So, like I said, I sponsor Moran's Kevin Moran's who's a privateer. And, um, so he's telling us at dinner the other day when we're with him that at Houston, they pull up and in the parking lot, there's their COVID testing area, right? Where they got to pay $75. Then there's a fence and then there is free COVID testing for the general public right next to it. And they cannot go over there and get the free test done. They have to pay the $75. And I'm just sitting there going, are you kidding me? Like, unbelievable. Absolutely. I mean, is there a difference between the tests? No, there's not. We're just going to money grab this and, like I said, squeeze these privateers a little more. Now you screw up this whole last lap thing. I mean, I don't know. And, again, who knows? it's it's the typical – you know, not to get onto a political rant because that's not what this show's about, but you know, it's the idea that 
tell us what we need to do, but they're immune to their own rules and regulations. Yep. And that's the AMA and the SL, they, they switch the titles, you know, they flip it all the way around. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine going to a major league baseball game and telling those guys they have to pay to play, they have to pay to get tested and think about that. Think about how absurd that is. And yet with the exclusion of our top five guys to 54, 50, Look at the amount of ridiculous expenses that our privateers pay. They can fill up a stadium to have more than six people run around the track. Exactly. The, the number, the number, of, the, I, the way they contradict themselves, and they should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. You want to promote, you show all the race carnage, and you show all the bar-to-bar action, and you do everything you can to market to them, and then who are the people that you shit on? The guys outside the top five. The guys that are filling your gate to make your to make your event not look like some circus local race, basically. I mean, because you you put six guys on the gate and we see it in in over in the GPs in Europe. I mean, some of those some of those flyaway races, they've got 15 dudes on the gate, you know, and 10 of them are factory guys. And there's five local dudes and that's it. And it definitely looks different than having a full gate. So. Well, think about this. And I know you got to run here. I got. Somebody DM'd me and just ripped me a new butt because I was very advocate, or a big advocate of if you get lapped, you get pulled off the track. Sorry. Um, they're doing it in the triathlon world. They're doing it in other small venues. Okay. So you tell me that you disagree with my opinion. Well, I have my reasons why I think the lappers should be pulled off. I think it's dangerous for the lappers. I think it's dangerous for the racing, et cetera, et cetera. Let's not even get into the fact that Dean Wilson held up Ken Rocks and we'll just act like that didn't just happen. Okay. <laughs> yep. Because I got ostracized for being a dick because I said, if you get lapped, you should be pulled. And then what came to fruition? Dean Wilson holding up Ken Rocks. Well, maybe we could, can cover that in another show. You can also point to last so, night, Moseman got screwed up by a lapper crashing in front of him and he should have won that, ra- yep. that 250 race. But digress. Keep going. Exactly. That's okay. I appreciate it. So this guy tears me up a new message. He tears me up a new butt because I, so he DMs me, right? But yet when you look at the idea of, because what he said was, well, if they lap everybody up to sixth place, there's only six guys on the track. Okay. Okay. Well, what is the point of having people out there that are getting lapped? We got lapped up to fourth place last night. We don't know who's doing what anymore. And here's the funny part. The riders are out there hanging on for dear life, trying to race. And yet I'm being told that they shouldn't be told to come off the track, but who's the one that creates the carnage for both themselves and the others. Mm -hmm. And what is it that we're really watching? We're watching four guys go around the track. Yeah. Now take it one step further. You've got Feld Motorsports that goes, well, we don't want to have a scarce field out there with only four guys. Well, last time I checked, because of your asinine design of your track and you're afraid to spend money because we have a full-blown stadium at Indy and we're using 75% of it, mm-hmm. what do we get? We get 42-second lap time, so everybody's on top of each other within four laps. And trust me, those privateers are fast as all get out. Oh, yes. I am not minimizing their capabilities. But you're going to be Feld Motorsports taxing the privateers and then when we carry that all the way through all you do is you nickel and dime them and nickel and dime them well guess what if you pull them off the track early 
and they get pulled off and they're in ninth place, 10th place, 13th place, at least they get 13th place money. Yeah. They don't end up riding until they wad themselves up. Mm-hmm. So here's where I'm going with that spread of thought. If I'm hauling the mail, I'm a privateer and I, I know I, I don't want to get lapped, but at least if I get lapped pretty quickly, if I get lapped at 13th, I get 13th place pay. Yep. And what I don't understand with the TV coverage is they don't even follow the leaders. We have a two point race going on at the front and we're showing 17th and 18th place. Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> you see the constant hypocrisy? Yeah. Yep. You're, you're using the you're using the privateers. I have no problem if you're going to cover that. Well, then why don't you compensate them? Mm-hmm. And then you see how it just constantly yings and yangs. It just and I don't want the new listeners or first time hearing me thinking I'm being pessimistic. I'm like you. It's like let's get to the nuts and bolts of the bureaucracy and the BS that's going on at the expense of these privateers. Use them as pawns. You're nickel and dime them. We're the only sport that charges our athletes to become the show. Yeah, it's just absurd. They should be embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not super familiar. Maybe, you know, when you go to a NASCAR race and sign up to race, do you got to pay to enter that? Like, I don't, I don't know if that's a pay to play area too or not. Well, if it's, if it's going to be a pay to play, it's the teams that are paying to play, not an individual, individual rider. Yes. But our privateers don't always have a team. And again, you know, I just, I can't understand. I, I always go back because my brother was a professional baseball player with the Houston Astros. Okay. I never could imagine my brother signing a pro contract and then being told he has to pay to play. Hmm. But if he hits a home run or he gets an RBI, he'll get a hundred bucks. <laughs> Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. The model is upside down. You invest in a team of baseball players because you know it's going to fill up a stadium and the revenue you get from the stadium surpasses the cost of having a team. It's the most basic economic model in the world, and yet our sport can't seem to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let me rephrase that. There's a few that have figured it out, and they refuse to let anybody else compete against it. So we'll <laughs> leave it at that. Yep, <laughs> yep absolutely. Um, well, like I said, I, I have one more interview, so I'm sorry I have to cut this short because, honestly, I could talk to you all No, night. No apologies. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and like I said, I would love to have you on again, so at some point we'll, we'll get you on again here um, so that we can get some more, some more thoughts and insights here into, into racing stuff. So um, where can they find you, just so everyone knows, uh, before you jump off here and, and uh, maybe check out yeah. some of your stuff? So. Hey, I appreciate it very much. Like I said, if you're a weekend warrior, if you're just enjoying being on your dirt bike, want some fitness stuff, or you do want to race at an elite level, uh, give us a shout. Check us out at CompleteRacingSolutions.com. And there's for those of you that are looking for articles about nutrition or sports psychology or injury, we have videos. We have tons of articles. Like I said, there's a link to our YouTube channel where Coach Rob with two Bs, R-O-B-B, Coach Rob Beams on YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of information that's there amongst all sports. And um, I hope you guys will, you know, take it. Please leverage these resources. Uh, they're there for you guys. We're continuing to update those, both YouTube and the website. And then same thing with our membership area. We're constantly adding new elements there and um, would love to work with everybody. But more importantly, if you have a question, hey, let me give you my email address. If somebody's dealing with a frustration and they can't seem to find answers, shoot my team an email. It's contact at Coach Rob with two Bs, 
contact at coachrob.com. That'll go directly to Jennifer. She'll get it distributed to whatever staff member we need. I don't care what the question is. And I know it sounds textbook. There's no stupid question. If you've been frustrated with something, send me it. I'll be happy. If I don't know the answer, I'll keep researching it till I do. But I promise you we'll get back to all your questions. And I hope everybody takes us up on that. We love to do that for everybody. All right. Well, awesome. Well, thank you, sir. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Like I said, we'll definitely have you on again. I'll text you and uh, we'll figure out another time to get you on here because I could, like I said, I could talk to you all night. And uh, other than that, man, stay safe out there and we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Travis. Thanks to you and all your guys. Appreciate it very much. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. And now as promised here for the uh, next part of the show, I've got Bobby Piazza on here to talk about uh, his Indianapolis 2. Um, so, Bobby, how are we doing tonight, man? Not bad, man. Just uh, hanging out in the hotel room, getting all these messages and all kind of stuff. So, <laughs> I know, just take, taking it all in. <laughs> I, know you're, I know you're kind of uh, the center of, we'll call it some controversy here, and I'm not sure how much controversy there is. I've, I've heard different things from different people, so we wanted to, uh, we wanted to get your side of the story here um, because – Obviously, last night, Jet didn't race the main event. Um, according to, I guess, common knowledge by most people, if they were going to fill the gate with an alternate, you were fifth place in the LCQ. So technically, we thought you should have been in there, but they put Oldenburg in there. So not really sure what happened with that or what they told you, but that's why we got you on here. We want to we wanna hear your side of the story. So recap the night tell us what happened what they told you what you've been hearing and let's just let's just hear your side here man yeah man um start of the night or start of the day uh i was feeling good all day uh riding pretty good track suited my bike pretty well so um yeah i qualified uh p15 to start tonight uh heading into the night show uh was heat two I collided with another rider. Actually, his legs got stuck in my bike, so I had to back up a little bit and kind of ruined my race there. Oh, man, I saw that, actually. I saw he, yeah. he, he beat on the side. It was right after the tunnel, right? Yeah, it was kind of my <laughs> fault, really. I uh, came in a little hot. I thought he'd check up, but he never checked up. We just collided, and, um, yeah, I guess it was my fault, kind of. But that's racing. I was charging to the front, and things happened. But, but yeah, after that, I regrouped, uh, went to the, main, uh, the LCQ um started eighth i was actually uh talking to oldenburg right there in uh the tunnel right before we went out he was standing there waiting for his bike and i was just joking around i was like damn man where's your bike and uh and we were just laughing i was like yeah you want to borrow my bike and this and that before all, the, all this even happened so we were just joking around in the pits <clears throat> or in the tunnel and then um yeah lined up on the gate uh came out last to the start of the lcq charged my way back up back up the fifth on the last lap and then um yeah it came just short of making the main but after all that i pull off the track and um yeah i was ama lady i was asking her do you guys take any alternates do you guys take any alternates and she said no i said are you sure are you sure she said no snipped my transponder off i went back to the truck i undressed um came back into the stadium to watch the main event and then I get into the seating with all my buddies right there. And they're all like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oldenburg's on the gate. Jet just pulled out. And I'm just like, no. And literally my heart dropped. And I'm just like, are you kidding me, dude? And it's just, by that time, I was just panic mode. I, I uh, me and my girlfriend, we stormed down into the, into the tunnel to see all the AMA guys. And like, I was just like, disbelief. Like, yeah, we, uh, we, 
I was just telling him like, what the hell, man, this and that. And yeah, pretty much all the AMA, like officials, like down there at the time, they all felt bad for me, but it was like out of their decision. It was higher than them. Like the people down there at the floor, like in staging and everything. Hmm. So, so we all talked about that. And then, um, yeah, after all that, I had to talk to Mike Pelletier and, uh, pretty much he told me there's nothing he can do for me. And they, the Oldenburg situation, he was pulled off the gate of the LCQ cause of the frame sticker or something. And then I guess to make up for their mess up there from pulling him off the gate, they put him in the main event for a 23rd guy. So even if jet pulled off, didn't pull off, uh, Oldenburg was going to race and have 23 people on the line. So, but he got lucky jet pulled off. He pulled in. So that was really the switch that made everybody think like, Oh, that's Bobby's spot. I had hundreds of people calling me, texting <laughs> me like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? Get down there, get on the gate, this and that. But, but by that time it was too late. And, um, yeah, I went to the AMA truck after spoke to Mike, spoke to all the AMA. The one dude from the AMA actually felt super bad for me. Uh, broke out his wallet, handed me a hundred dollars cash of his own money. And just like, yeah, man, I'm so sorry. Oh, wow. But the head of it, but the head of AMA, Mike, literally told me, like, there's nothing he can do about it. He said, we don't see eye to eye. Turned his back on me and walked into the rig. And um, I was trying to at least get, like, a round or something out of him. Like, dude, help me out. I'm literally out here sleeping in the cold in my van with my girlfriend. I'm down to my last dollar. I pay $450 a round just to race with all, like, the COVID bands and mechanics bands, sign-up fee. It's just overwhelming. But, but yeah, man, what a crazy night. Um to say the least right <laughs> yeah wow that's huh, that is i mean dude don't get me wrong we we have all been sitting here saying what a shit show the ama was last night between the oldenburg thing with the with the lcq and then putting him on the line for the for the main anyway and then like i said we none of us were really sure like if they even took alternates for the main as far as when supercross goes because we all know there's the alternate thing for outdoors but Supercross, right. we weren't really 100% sure, but then the Oldenburg thing, and then, oh, no, we were just going to put him on as the 23rd. What the hell are you talking about? Right. If you would your <laughs> exactly. shit together, I mean, in, in our opinion, that that main shouldn't have, or that, I'm sorry, the LCQ shouldn't have gone until they figured out the Oldenburg thing because exactly. that is just, I mean, it looks terrible. And then you beyond that, you go into the shorten the race by a lap. I mean, what a shit right. show, man. And the fact that Pelletier, like, won't even hear you out hardly and, and you know. Right. Let's face yeah. it, this show, we talk a bunch of shit, so uh, we're we're never getting <laughs> anywhere anyway. So, you know, I'll talk all the crap about the AMA I want to because it's just, it, it's like you, you guys looked absolutely fucking terrible last night with every single decision you made. If Pelletier made that call, that was fucking terrible. If he wouldn't hear you out and even help you out somewhat because they're going to put this extra guy on the gate, which in all reality should have been you. Like, I'm sorry y'all fucked up right. and pulled Oldenburg off for the LCQ, but you figure that out with the team outside of that as opposed to putting him on the gate as the extra guy and then going, oh, well, we don't take any alternates. Well, apparently you do because you just put him on. And in fact, right. like we sponsor Kevin Moran's and I talked to him earlier and he was like, look, man, they can go ahead and pull me off the gate by accident in the LCQ. If it means I get to go straight to the main, like I'm cool with that. So exactly. Right. And then don't, well, my, in my opinion, I mean, he should at least, they shouldn't have pulled him off the gate of the LCQ. Like everybody's saying, Oh, Piazza, you would have finished sixth if he would have raced, but, 
But anything happens after that gate drop, maybe he goes down in the first turn, tip over. His bike blew up how many minutes into the main, you know? Yeah. I mean, but, but yeah, everybody's saying, oh, he would have beat you anyway. Yeah, I understand. He has a factory bike. I'm literally riding a stock bike out there. I come out in dead last every time on the start. These guys just drop me off the gate. Like, I mean, yeah, I can run some fast laps, but when it comes down to the start and the motor and all the other stuff, I don't have that. I don't have any money to put in my bike, you know? So it's yep. just like, I'm out there just doing the best I can. I come from last every race and just work my way up, try to make it into the main, you know? Well, I, I got- mean, Houston, th- the, my first main I made in Houston three, there was a pile up. I snuck around the inside, came out in like sixth, made my way to third. And then I dropped back to eighth because all the factory dudes passed me and everything, but, but still made my main, held my own. And, um, but yeah, man, I mean, they could at least have him race. And if his, if his uh, bike didn't match up, they could have disqualified him, you know? So yeah, it that... could have been easy like that. You just don't race and not race an LCQ and not finish your heat race and then just transfer to the main event. No. They may guy, they may guy down there kept saying, Oh, it's the promoter promoter, like promoter. What? Like what that, that don't mean nothing. Like, what do you mean promoter? That's, that's not the rules. You don't just not finish the LCQ or the heat race and go into the main event. I mean, I have no bad blood against uh, Mitchell or, their team or anyone just like it's just all about the like ama rule and it's a bad call this and that and and yeah man yeah no it's it's i mean like you said definitely no bad blood against oldenburg or anything like that because it it wasn't their call they were just like right. oh okay we can race cool let's go let's go race then you know but the AMA, right, yeah oh well, i mean if i was in oldenburg shoes and they're telling me <laughs> yeah go race go race uh, hell yeah, I'm going on a race. And get, <laughs> you want me on, on that main event gate? I'm in. That's that's a no-brainer there. So Right, oh, exactly. Man. Well, terrible scenario. I feel bad for you. Thank you for taking the time. Um, If you want to talk some racing, man, we can talk some racing. I don't know what kind of time you got here. I know. No, I got some time, man. Okay, cool, man. Um, So let's talk. I know you raced the 250 class, Um, and I kind of talked with Coach Rob about some of the 250 stuff. We talked about Jet Lawrence a little bit. Um let's let's move on let's do some 450 do you follow the 450 class somewhat yeah yeah i actually started houston uh houston one and two on the 450 uh the first round the first round um i actually bought a kawasaki off someone just because the contingency is super good it's 300 a night show and uh 500 i mean cool but um but yeah i missed i missed the night show in houston one by 0.2 of a second qualified i think 42nd And uh, the second one, I missed it, I think, by 0.4, 0.5. And I, I don't know what I qualified that. But, but yeah, dude, that 450 class is stacked. So Oof, You're not kidding. I, right. And I actually ran down to my last dollar signing up for the first two rounds. So I figured I have to go to the 250 class just to make it to the next round, you know, <laughs> get some money. Yep. And um, But, yeah, the 250 class was a guarantee make it to the night show. So it was at least a guaranteed $700. And then, um, yeah, I went to the heat race, put it right to the main. And, uh was pretty pumped on that man so going to the 450 class dropped down to the 250 class and uh put it right in the main for the first my first main ever so was pretty pumped on that uh the main event there didn't go too well second lap in i collided with another rider and went down and then i just rode it in hmm. but what's other than a, that what's the what 250 are you riding i'm riding a yamaha 250 2020 or 2021 uh 2019 i actually oh, okay. turned it on I found it on a Facebook marketplace. It was, uh, I was in Myrtle beach at the time and, uh, I found it on a Facebook marketplace. It was a trail rider bike. The dude like was like mud bogging it, <laughs> but he only wanted, he, he only wanted 5k for it. And that's, I had to <clears throat> 5k at the time. 
and I figured it would be good to like um like in the area I stay in like the South Carolina area North Carolina area they hold like uh like the victory sports races tri-state races just like little indoor money races okay so I bought the 250 to actually just ride it all them just because they're tight little indoor races but but I actually canceled pretty much all of them I only raced one indoor race and um but yeah so I had the 250 sitting there and I figured I'd give her a go at Houston three. Yeah. I mean, you might as well. We, we've talked at nauseum on the show about, uh, how depleted the 250 class is, which is awesome for the privateers because it gives you a ton of you guys opportunity to get into the main, get into the night show, actually make some money. Um, so yeah, so that's awesome that you, you dropped down and made the main. And then obviously last night you were, you were super close. And in fact, we knew you were super close because my girlfriend had you in fantasy so she was right. watching very closely and she was like oh you missed it by one spot i'm like oh that's how the cookie crumbles right. sometimes so <laughs> right um yeah i was feeling it in that lcq man uh two nights ago at the last indy indy two um i was feeling it i came out like i said i came out in 16 so pretty much last i had to work my way through the pack my lap times were pretty spot on they're pretty good i actually freaking Almost ran the same lap as Jet. I knew he was hurt and everything, but yeah. that last lap was my fastest lap. I literally almost put it to uh, Wilson Fleming's back tire that last uh, that last lap. So well, it was I... hard to catch up, though. I was just I was pretty much sending it out there, man. So well, I got to say that's pretty <laughs> impressive if you're on a fully stocked bike and you uh, went from 16th to fifth in the LCQ. That's that's pretty good riding there, man. So. Right. Um, so as far as 450s go, uh, you got a you got a title favorite this early in here. I mean, we've seen multiple winners so far and lots of different dudes on the podium. But uh, right. what, what do you got title pick going right now? Uh, I'd say probably Kenny. Kenny looks pretty dialed this season. I mean, I didn't get to watch it all last night or the 250 or the 450 main just because of the controversy. But but yeah, I'd say Kenny. Man, he's ripping. He's getting them starts and he's hitting his marks. So. He looks like freaking Conor McGregor <laughs> when he takes his shirt off on that podium. I oh, don't know. man. He, he um, is ripped, that dude. That is right? That is, that is crazy. Man, I hope – I so I'm, I'm a big Kenny fan, and I really hope he's got his, uh, his health issues figured out here so that that way he can uh, finally nail down one of these titles before he retires because I, I think with all the injuries he's had and the surgeries and everything, uh, I think it's only a matter of time here before he uh, – he hits that retirement button, especially with having the right. kid now and everything. So, um, yeah, what do yeah, you I think it's time to do it? Yeah. Now he has a kid there. He got some motivation, you know, got a family now it's time to do it. Yeah. So I think, I think he's going to do it to be honest. He's, he's shredded. He's ready to go. He looks dialed, man. If he, if he races half as good as he has these last two rounds, then them boys are in trouble, but I still think that, uh, his kryptonite there, Cooper Webb's going to give him fits the rest of the year. And I really wish he would just throw it in on Coop one time and like put him down and like break that kryptonite curse he's got on him. But right, Kenny's Coop not... always seems to get him the lot <laughs> at the last lap of all these rounds. But Ken put a solid two rides in the last two weekends. So yeah. Um, now, what do you think about uh, what do you think about the defending champ here, Tomac? He's obviously not riding quite as good. I guess we would say he's so he's won races. He obviously has been on the box, but. I don't, in, in my opinion, at being an outsider who's just a, you know, local vet slow guy, he doesn't look as good as he has in past years. And I don't know if he's just lacking motivation. He's won that title. He now feels like his career is somewhat complete. He's just kind of riding it out, having a good time or what. But uh, what, do you, what do you think of Eli's season so far? 
Um, not too shabby. I mean, the tracks I feel like are super basic. Everybody hits the same lines. Everybody, it's a, all the tracks is are pretty easy. So, so I don't know. It's just real close in times. Everybody can go really fast, and that 450 class is so stacked. I mean, if you don't get the best of starts, you know. So I think this weekend he even came from behind a little bit. Yep. And, but um, but yeah, like I said, he probably don't have that fire like he used to. But but I don't know. He's still ripping. He'll he might pull off. He might pull off a win or two here coming up, but but yeah, he better get on his game because Kenny looking dialed. Kenny gets the starts. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's all about a start. So if yeah, you can't get the start. You're pretty much. I mean, I wouldn't say screwed, but but a start is night and day difference of a race. They they've definitely been very start dependent because, like you said, a lot of these tracks they've been pretty much the same. I know, like the track. Uh, last night was there was like that big quad in that long rhythm section where you could either go like three onto the table or you could quad over and then three out type deal. Um, yeah. but other than that there, and realistically, I don't think it was much faster either way you went. It was just kind of different. So definitely, right. definitely start dependent. And he struggles in, in that. Hey, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid dog. Um, Hey, shut up. Would you shut up? We're trying to record here, bro. Go lay down. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um uh what did you what what did you is somebody knocking? What did you think of the um what did you think of that double double section at Indy Indy one the other day? Oh man. Um that that whole track had booters on it. It was oh, double yeah. double, finish line double, you had the triple, you had the, the over under. So yep. pretty much booter booter the whole race. Uh, um, but yeah, that second double was pretty good. I it was pretty big. I know a couple of my buddies were casing it, and um, if you came up short, it wasn't pretty. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah that that one was was absolutely gnarly, man. That that double double section. We were watching practice, and I was like, holy shit! What did you think about the debacle of the whole figuring out where you guys were going to go on the start the other day? Oh my goodness! What do you call that? <laughs> dude i don't know man it was it was wild like watching so obviously the general public couldn't get in until like three o'clock so we didn't even get in to see qualifying like the starts of it really until uh until second qualifying so by then they had it all figured out but man i heard that it was quite wild the first couple qualifying sessions where they were trying to figure out if they were going to have you guys go through the double double or go through the tunnel or whatever the hell you guys were doing there because, and then even when I got there and was watching it, I was like, this is the most disjointed weird start I've ever seen where you like kind of half jump off that berm in the second corner and then go shooting across the stadium again. It was so weird. So were you, were you in, the first qualifying session where they were trying to figure that one out? Yeah, I actually was. They were tearing down the corner. It was actually, at first, it was a big, nice bowl corner into the double-double. Yep. But then before more of my, I think my last qualifier or something, they tore it down and made it like a flat turn. So after, so it was like startable. You just jump literally over the berm. So <laughs> it was, I don't know what, I don't know what you call all that, but it was, it was a mess, honestly. It, yeah, that was, it was that you know it just comes down to another thing. AMA never change. <laughs> so right. Um, okay, man. Well, you want to give some shout outs to some some people that are helping you out here and uh, where people can oh, find sure. you, so that hopefully we can uh, we can get you some maybe maybe somebody can can help you out here. So yeah, definitely, man. Um, even after all this happened last night, I gained like 
800 followers on Instagram, thousands of comments, thousands of likes. Like, I pretty much blew up like, up the internet, me and Oldenburg last night. So, <laughs> so yeah, man, actually, I have a hundred, like, a lot of people messaging me saying, hey, I want to help you out, give you some money, this and that. So, I actually just put um, my Venmo, my PayPal, and my Cash App on my story. And, but, like, I was up there for a couple hours, and I was already, I already made, like, fourteen fifteen hundred dollars already and sick i can't believe it man like the sport's coming together to help me out everybody thinks i mean you always have the keyboard warriors that didn't think i deserved it but most of the people thought i deserved a spot and um either way i have a lot of people backing me and uh helping me out but i actually started my own company alien lab cbd not too long ago and um i've been trying to put that out just so people uh maybe if they like CBD, buy some CBD and help me out doing that. Cool. But um, but yeah, Alien Lab CBD. <clears throat> I got Kang Racing. I got a hundred percent goggles, sixty, uh, Deaf Family, uh, MX Boot, Lasting um, Impressions. What else? All these guys are all helping me out putting my program together. Uh, Pirelli tires. What else am I forgetting? But yeah, man, everybody helped me out. I can't thank them enough. They uh, helped me out with like my gear, everything. I get all that stuff for pretty much free, but it's just uh, I pay for like all my own like entry fees, uh, COVID bans. It's all, it cost me $450 a race out of my own pocket. Hmm. So pretty much everything I make at the race, I put right back in to go and racing <laughs> again. So it's, it's, it's really tough, especially to get round around. I drove 15 hours to Houston, oh. another 15 hours to Indy. Gas money, hotels money. It's just well, it's got every, every, yeah, man. Everything I make just goes right back into racing. So it's just like win lose situation. So, but whatever. I, I love the sport. I, this is what I love to do. And uh, yeah, man. I can't thank everybody trying to help me out and support me enough. Cool, man. Well, awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Um, I'll text you a little bit here, and we'll talk. Maybe we can maybe we can help you out a little bit too with some stuff here, um, going forward. So. Um, yeah, man, like I said, I appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, good luck Saturday. We'll be back down there. And like I said, I'll hit you up and we'll, we'll, we'll do some more talking off the air here, but I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I appreciate you for having me on the show and, uh, thank you to all the guys supporting me and, uh, all the new fans I got from all this. So thank you, man. (laughs) Yeah, no problem, man. We will talk to you soon. You have a great night. You too. Take it easy. Yep. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. And now onto one of our uh, usual segments here, we have... I mean, we could call you a solid top 10 guy now in the 250 East class here. Kevin Morans to talk about Indy 2. Kev, what's up, man? <laughs> Not much, man. Just, How's it going? Just still chilling in Indy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. I do I do kind of feel bad for you guys because, like, we left today and uh, came back to Michigan here for a couple days. And I'm like, man, if I had to be down in Indy for a couple more days here, this would be – this would be pretty rough for me because <laughs> I'd be running out of things to do eventually here. So yeah, I don't know. I'm actually talking to Benny right now. Like we might go try to swim or go do some because we're trying to talk about like what we're gonna do for the training over the next few days. Cause, like it's way too cold to be doing anything outside. Oh yeah. So I don't know. We might hit up the pool and do some swimming, do some laps or something. Yeah, that's get a... some hot tub action. Yes. Get some recovery <laughs> in. I don't know. We'll hot, see. Tub, hot tub time machine. We're on it. So yeah, for, for real. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, so Indy two, another another great round for you, man. Although I gotta say, qualifying probably not as great as you would have wanted. Uh, what you qualify? No, that's 22nd? because B practice had it really 
Yeah, V practice had it really easy again. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem with these soft tracks. Um, I mean, not not saying that I didn't just go fast enough because that's one hundred percent the problem <laughs> too. But uh, well, yeah, V practice definitely had the the upper hand on that one. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so let's talk about this Indy two track here to start before we get into your results because your results were once again excellent. And we have some good things to talk about there. But let's talk about the track because the track seemed uh, difficult for pretty much almost everyone except maybe Ken Roxon. But everyone else, it was a little sketchy. Yes. Um, I mean, do you want me to just jump right into oh, it? Yeah. Oh, questions? yeah. Just go. Just go. This is all This is all you, baby. Okay. Um, track was not super technical. Um, it had some technical lines if you wanted to obviously go big in the rhythm. The only thing that I would have to say that, you know, I mean, obviously the whoops just got gnarlier than all get out again. And you saw that firsthand when jet destroyed himself yep. um, in front of me. <laughs> yes. Which was <laughs> but, awesome. Uh, but yo, yeah. Like a little shout out that little video kind of went viral and took me over 10 K on Instagram. So I'm stoked about it. Sick. <laughs> but um, overall track wasn't that bad. I kind of enjoyed it, but yes, it was very soft, very rutted, very sketchy. Uh, what about, uh, so in that big, long rhythm section, there was like, uh, I want to say you could go like three up onto the table, and I think I saw a couple guys like quad all the way over. In fact, I think I saw you yeah, quad so I did... it once in practice, and then about fucking yeah. shit yourself on the triple afterwards. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, definitely one time, uh, but I know I probably hit that four over probably four times in qualifying so you know we were all going or a majority of us were going um kind of like over the first little hump then you go on off three onto the tabletop off double out um and about four times in qualifying i went um rolling over the little first one on off and then four over the tabletop and then three out yeah, that was definitely tough. I didn't ever do it in the races um, just because, like, in qualifying, like, it was pretty tough to do. And, like, in the races, which one I had heat one, which wasn't bad, that bad, so the track was obviously perfect. But um, the, in the main event, I knew it wasn't going to be a very good line because it was tough to do and how rutted it, I knew it was going to get. I just didn't even think about it. And I just focused on hitting my marks. Yeah, I was gonna. I meant to text you um, after because I because we were there obviously for uh, Q two because the stadium opened up, um, and like I so first off I saw you do it the first time and I saw you do it and then like I don't know if you over jumped a little bit but you like went hard into the face of that little triple afterwards and like just double singled out and then like pulled in the pits and like when you did it. It looked a little sketchy. I went, oh, Ashley was like, what What happened? I was like, well, I think uh, Kevin just puckered the old butthole there, like, majorly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, it wasn't bad. No, like, either right before that or right after. I think it was right before I hit it perfect. And then the second time I was coming around to put a fast lap in okay. along with it. Yeah. And, yeah, I overshot it a little bit. Yeah, like I said, I meant to text you and be like, you know, I'm not sure that it's faster, so you might not want to uh, necessarily do that if it's sketchy, but I uh, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't send that. That so. was when I got, my, I got my fastest lap time when I did it. So. Oh, did you? 
Yeah. yeah. Well, when I got the uh, the three out as well. Okay. Because the okay. one time you're talking about is when I messed up the three out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, you did that. Then you pulled in the pits, and I was like, yeah, he puckered the butthole there. Some he went like a little <laughs> long, I think, and like shoved it handle yeah. the chest. So. Dude, that's a that's a big jump. Oh, it was. It was a it was a big jump. Like it was I said, large. I, eyeball test from the stands. Couldn't really tell that it was faster than just going the three on off and then three out or whatever, or two out, whatever it was. So, um, yeah, uh, the whoops looked uh, looked pretty looked pretty sketchy pretty much all night. So, how were how were those? Were they yeah. big or were they small? What was the what was the diagnosis on? Are those? you talking about the whoops? Yeah, uh, they weren't they weren't bad. Like obviously, like in heat one, dude. As soon as they're as they're if they're fresh, they're easy. Yeah, but the biggest thing is, is they just get so chewed up and so just broken down that that's what makes it sketchy so yeah they were not fun at all all did, night did the uh did the dirt besides, besides in heat one i was a fan of heat one <laughs> <laughs> how was the uh how was the dirt um overall like had it dried out a little bit or i mean what what did you think um i think the track was a little bit harder because okay. it didn't get as rutted which i was very thankful about but um as far as like less traction i don't think so okay i think there was still a really good amount of traction okay all right, so now let's uh, let's talk about your racing a little bit and how you're going to pull one of these hole shots here soon because, let's face it, your bike stays with those star Yamahas down the start. for some for, Dude, whatever Tommy's doing to your bike, <laughs> don't ever change. <laughs> yeah, no joke. It's doing good, man, and it's, like, it's pretty badass to see myself consistently in front of the star guys on the start. So, no, for sure. I think uh, that starts coming, and uh, your boys have got a payday to pay up. That way, you can get some hotel rooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the, both the starts. Um, I don't. Did the video ever come through? I sent you the video. I got the heat race start. Um, I got that whole thing, and I sent you the video, but I don't know if it went through. It says it did. We were just talking. We were just talking about a heat race whole shot too, boy. We just about pulled the main event whole shot. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I don't, well, the main event I didn't get on video because they were being uh, masked Nazis. I mean, like, hard the other night. I don't know if you're aware, but it was supposedly the CDC or something was there. And, yeah, they were they were on everyone very, very hard about the mask thing. To oh, the, really? To the point that, like, the mains were getting ready to go off, and I was, like, eating popcorn and had an, a tasty adult beverage in my hand. And I stopped for like 30 seconds to send a text. And in the time I stopped to send a text, some dude walked over and was just standing there staring at me. And I'm like, what? And they're like, you need to put your mask on. I'm like, dude, I'm eating. Like, are you kidding me? So, yeah, it was it was way, way worse uh, last night than it was uh, was even Saturday. So. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why they. Uh, dude, yeah, we, we can't. We don't have time to get into that. But anyway, so yeah, so I didn't get a video of the uh, of the main event. But dude, I watched it. I was like, oh, he's he's pulling him. He's doing it. He's really doing it. Oh man, it was so yeah, awesome. Dude. It was so awesome. Yeah. And then in that main event, so you good, get a start. Uh, I think you came around after that long uh, long rhythm and into the finish. I think you were what fourth? Were you third on the first? Yeah, lap I was fourth. There? Okay. Okay, and then um, and then what happened? Talk to me about the tough block because you said you got tangled up in tough block or something at some point. So, no, that was that was later in the moto. What okay. happened at the very beginning? Because I was right behind Craig, right? Yep. So on the second lap, coming off of the out of the loop, over the little um, uh, uh, freaking tabletop thing, and then on the way to the wall, I was pretty close to him still. Maybe it was on the first lap. I don't know. I or like the first, the second. 
I don't know, because we crossed the finish line. You know what I mean? So yep. long story short, probably I guess you could say it's the first lap. Um, I was pretty close to him, and I just got a face full of roost. And I don't know whether I put my head down or what, but something just happened perfectly to the point where that post that I made about my night yeah. and that rock that you saw, yeah, dude, it went straight into my mouth, and like <laughs> I tried coughing it up, yeah, and it wouldn't work. So I couldn't like stop to try to cough it up. Like you're, I'm in fourth place. Like fuck that. Like I'm going, <laughs> and. Uh, so I I couldn't cough it up and it was still like lodged in my throat like and so I just tried swallowing it and then I think it did and I like you know the next lap I wasn't really thinking about it but like I I kind of forgot about it if I'm being honest because I honestly thought it was dirt too I didn't yeah. think it was a rock I figured it was just dirt so I was like ah well, I mean just swallow it <laughs> and like you know four laps later or whatever like I was not. Ex- like too excited to be in that top five because like I knew with my start and my the way I could ride like I was totally fine um so I wasn't like scared or nervous or anything but like I just lost my breath dude like I could not breathe hmm. I even took a couple laps in there to relax to like not push very hard yeah to try to get my breath back and it would not come back so hmm. like and then like so obviously after the race um you know starting in the top five and should have been like a, probably a sixth place for me, if I'm being really honest. Yeah. So to end up 10th was pretty disheartening. Um, even though I should be ecstatic with 10th, but you guys obviously see the, the injuries that we've had and whatnot, like the field is getting thinner. Yeah. So like I should be farther up than 10th place. So having it right there in my sights, uh, and then it dwindling away was pretty disheartening, but yeah, like, so I was running seventh and then, um, like I said, like I just couldn't breathe. I didn't know what was going on and, um, I couldn't catch my breath at least. So I was making stupid little mistakes and I went just a little bit long on that long section right before the finish, like you're talking about Yeah. and came into the tough block on the beginning of the outside of that corner. Oh, well, okay. I came into it and then turned tight because like I hit it and then just kept going. Yeah. So then I turned to see into that double and I sat into the double, but the tough block from the corner was still on my rear brake. So as soon <laughs> as I hit it, it pitched my front end straight down and I came up like I didn't even get five feet off of the face because like it, the tough block was still attached to my bike. Hmm. So I nosed into it and damn near wrecked. And then the, the tough block finally came off of my peg or my uh, rear brake. So by that time, you know, a couple guys had already gotten around me. Yeah. And then obviously if, if I couldn't breathe before then, I sure as heck couldn't breathe after that. Oh, so yeah. it was, uh, it was a little bit of a struggle. So but I mean, overall, top ten. Got to be happy with it to run up with the top dudes, get those starts, have I think what the fifth fastest lap time out of everybody in the race. Uh, um, I haven't even looked at it's that. It's very positive, very positive. Uh, you know, night obviously didn't end the way we wanted, but um, it shows we can do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was really stoked. Like I said, the the starts are absolutely on point, and uh, yeah. So yeah. it's only a matter of time before you hole shot one of these bad boys. And lead them across the street to start with. So, um, yeah. So I uh, one other thing I want to ask you about: Have you uh, have you heard of and have you thought about this uh, Oldenburg uh, Piazza thing? We're recording this before the show tonight. We're actually having Bobby on tonight to talk about this whole situation with Oldenburg and everything. Have Have you heard about it? And do you have any thoughts about it? 
Man, I've heard about it. Um, I have not listened to any of the podcasts because I saw that somebody had a podcast with him that gave Oldenburg's side of the story. So, like, whatever I'm about to say, I have not heard his side of the story. Okay. Um, if you if you ask me, um, I don't know exactly what happened. So they pulled him off of the gate so he could not race the LCQ. Yeah. Right. So so, so that's my, what I that's what I've heard. My understanding so is because they they thought he switched bikes they, and he only switched motors, so they pulled him off for the LCQ and then they realized they fucked up and they told him, well, you can start second row of the main, and then when Jet pulled off, they just put him in Jet spot. Which should have been Bobby's yeah, spot. So, so it's yeah, I don't it's exactly know. Piazza guy. Yeah. So I don't I don't understand where they came around to that. Uh, I think first of all, kind of like how Max um, from Dirt Bike Depot here, he was talking to me about it, and he's like, dude, they shouldn't even have started the LCQ until they got that figured out. Yeah. Um, and I kind of would have to agree because they completely screwed Oldenburg. Yeah. But at the same time, you know. This is the way I was looking at. I was like, dude, if I'm ever in the LTQ again, I hope they just pull me off so then I go straight to the main. I was like, <laughs> you're telling me that yeah, he didn't race, but yeah, he's fast enough. He probably would have won it. Honestly, yeah. he 100 would have. Yeah. But it's called the, it's the LCQ for a reason. Like shit can happen. Yep. So you can't just give him the end to go to the main event when he didn't even try to race the LTQ. No. Nope. But at the same time, you got to look at it that they didn't even give him the chance to race the LTQ. So if I'm him. 100% they better be giving me that 23rd spot on the uh, starting gate. But if you're, yeah, like you said, Bobby Piazza, like you're, that's, that's messed up, dude. Like that's his spot, not Oldenburg. Yeah. And now I don't, I don't know for sure because Piazza, I've, I've heard conflicting stories too, that like no one else was up there ready to go. It was Oldenburg was the yeah, only he one. Yeah, he wasn't. And if I'm being really honest, I don't think they take alternates from okay. the LCQ to the main event. Okay. I'm not a hundred percent sure of that. So like I could be just talking out of my but right now but um well, yeah i don't know yeah. i think it's a messed up deal on both sides that ama will just do that without check her crossing their t's and dotting their eyes kind of deal you but, know the ama they i hope they never change you yeah i mean you guys dude, ran, you guys ran a lap less than you should have too in the main so i mean yo <laughs> whatever i know did you did you hear what the announcer said did you ever go back and watch it on tv no no what did they say he's like man and i thought this last election was hard to follow and i was like <laughs> oh my goodness right, well did you see the post that uh that cole put up on our on our instagram page that said is joe biden running no. this uh running the ama now or something and i was like oh yeah my dude God. i don't i don't know oh dude that was wild. it confused it confused me in the stadium and like it like as you know, when you're in the stadium, shit's crazy. So you never quite know everything that's going on. But it was like I was watching the timer kind of click down, and in my head I was like, okay, they got two laps, and all of a sudden it was like checkered flag. And then I just see this other guy standing on the ground below the tower as the guy's waving the checker, just looking at him, just shrugging his shoulders. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're done. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It was crazy. I can't wait to get, uh, like I said, get some, get some other points of view uh tonight from some of the other guys we got coming on because yeah it's it was wild it was fucking wild i can't wait to hear what bobby's got to say so yeah for real i hit up i hit up freckle too to try to get him on like tomorrow night to talk about it but uh i haven't heard back from him yet so we'll see but yeah i don't i don't know dude it was it was wild it was fucking wild so but hey you had a great night it was awesome we're we're in the top 10 yeah no thank you 
So we're good, man. Um, so, yeah, so I guess a uh, shorter segment from you tonight. Obviously, uh, you've got some plans. I've got some plans. So uh, won't take up won't take up too much of your time here. Anything else you want to you want to touch on here before uh, before I let you go so you can get to dinner and stuff? No, man, I think we're that's about it. Biggest thing is uh, we'll get those starts again and uh, breathe a little bit and go out there and kill it Saturday. Sick. Awesome. Well, uh, don't forget, I'll be back there Saturday. So hit me up Saturday after you're done and maybe we'll go get something to eat downtown or something after the race. All right. For sure. I'm down. All right. Sounds good, man. We will talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank you. Yep. Bye.